The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Ryan, what is up? Not much, man. Not much, man. Back in the uh, back in the saddle after away a uh, or. I don't know how long was I up there for about three weeks. Basically, a month. Really, it was about a month. A month of me being up in good old Connecticut, baby. Can't ask for a better place to be in the world, frankly. Right. Last uh, last time we talked already was like May. You were about to go to Connecticut to cover the Olympics for NBC, but also that same day you were picking up a dog for the first time, and you're picking up your dog again tonight, right? Was that the last time we talked? Did I not have? Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, no, you didn't. So Teddy is officially he's mine now. He's uh, I think he's seven months now. He's actually about to turn eight months, and he is a fucking psychopath. But I love every ounce of his being. He's just perfect. He's just, he's an awesome dog. He's there's still some things that I'm working on with him, manners wise. Like he's still um, he still jumps all over the place. He jumps on people, which I'm trying to like keep <laughs> yeah. him, you know, four paws on the ground at all times and um, all that fun stuff. But no, he's he's doing great. He's learning a lot. Um, he's he's just he's being a puppy, you know, and he he will grow out of it uh, relatively soon. But um, no, he's doing great, and he's going to be a fucking big-ass boy, like a unit, an absolute unit. I think he's going to be around 90 pounds. <laughs> he's like... Yeah, what, what was he when you when you first got him? How, uh, how many pounds was he? I mean, when I got him, he was only three months old, so he was like, God, I would probably... Probably like 20 pounds, maybe, something like that, and then now wow. he's just kind of growing into yeah, his body. Yeah. He's much taller now. Um He's he's still really lanky. I think he has to. He's he doesn't have quite all the um, the muscle and the girth that you see in like full grown dogs yet. So, um, but he's he's picking all that up, and yeah, he'll be he'll be a, a massive ass dog, I think, which is good because before I got him, I was I wanted a Newfoundland really bad, and I couldn't find any. So if he if he ends up being like a hundred pounds, I will not be sad at all. I'll be pretty excited. Yeah, he'll be your guard dog, so it's it works yeah, out. Yeah, except he he will not guard <laughs> shit. He'll just lick everybody and welcome them into my home. Like, hey, right this way. You want the TV? There it is, right over there. Make yourself comfortable. Like, if there's ever a burglar that exactly. comes into my place, I am like kind of fucked, even with Teddy here. So yeah, yeah, that's relatable. I feel like a lot of people, I, like our my dogs growing up, same thing. She would just lick you. Actually, she'd jump on you and kind of growl, but most likely she would just get tired and lick you, and yeah. that would be that. Yeah. No, that's pretty much what he does too. So, but yeah, so you were in Connecticut, as we said, covering the Olympics. So, uh, how was that? Did it live up to what you were thinking going in, or did it did it like exceed that? What a crazy experience that was. Like, so I mean, obviously, you go into it knowing this is the Olympics. It's going to be pretty wild, you know. It's going to be unlike anything I've done before. And it took me, it took me actually covering them to be like, holy shit, that wasn't, you know, it's, it's legit. That's how it is. You really will never cover anything quite like it just because it's, it's a three week long thing. You know, you go up there and, um, and and plus the, the whole, the whole COVID situation made it that much more unique. Like in normal circumstances, we wouldn't be working in a Marriott hotel, like. We, that's where we stayed and we worked in the Marriott ballroom 
and we basically were stuck in this Marriott for three weeks. Um, and I mean, working nighttime hours, I worked from 11 PM to 11 AM every day. Like we never really saw sunlight because, you know, the ballroom was totally enclosed, no windows, which I honestly, I was happy about that because if, if I saw the sun start to pour in, my brain would be like, Oh, okay. It's daytime. And then when I, you know, came time for me to go to bed at noon, I wouldn't be able to because my brain would be like, oh, yeah, no, it's, you should be awake right now. So, but what a crazy, crazy experience. It was so much fun. Um, even though there were times, <laughs> there were times in the middle of it where I was like, I want to die. This is so, <laughs> this is so bad. But in retrospect, I'm going to look back at those three weeks very fondly. Like me, um, Eric Goodman, Liam Nee, and Tori Hart, they're like the, my main uh, teammates at NBC Sports Olympics. And, it was just, we grinded so hard and it, I, I'm so happy with how we ended up doing. Um, I think we did a really good job with our coverage and really the whole team in general. We did, I mean, better than any of us expected going in because going in, I think there was a lot of gray area that was still kind of, you know, left over. We weren't totally sure what we were supposed to be doing and, you know, all that, but after a couple of days, we got into a rhythm, we figured things out and then it was just like, oh, okay, we got this. And then we put together a pretty awesome coverage, uh, coverage plan. So yeah, it, it was just crazy. Really. I, there were, um, one of my colleagues who I met up in Connecticut, uh, Adam Kirshner, he is now at Sony and he was working at WWE actually for like, I think a long time, like 16 years or something like that. And he said that this was basically covering WrestleMania every day for three straight weeks. So just to, just goes That's to awesome. show how nuts, truly insane the whole uh, undertaking really was. So did you have to uh, kind of train yourself to adjust to the schedule, the sleep schedule and all that going in? So I wanted to, but we couldn't because so our first, we, we flew in on that Sunday and then that Monday we had to work at 9 a.m. So it was like we, you know, as much as we would have loved to take a few days to stay up as late as possible and, you know, all that, we had to work a normal shift that Monday. And then that Tuesday, that's when our crazy shifts started. And we were like, well, fuck, <laughs> what are we going to do right now? So basically that Monday we just stayed, we went to uh, Liam's apartment, which is conveniently right across the street from the uh, hotel we were staying at. And we just stayed up till 5 a.m. And we were all together and we were just keeping each other awake. We watched Space Jam 2, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, it is so bad. You have to. Like, it's it's actually good because of how bad it is. I love Space Jam 1. I haven't seen 2. I know a lot of people like to shit on Space Jam itself, but it's Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. Like, okay, come yeah. on. Like Space Jam 1 was like... Like objectively, it wasn't it wasn't you know some sort of unbelievable earth shattering movie, but it was fun and it was unique and it was something no one had done before. And I like to me that's that's just as important as being you know a, a good movie or whatever. This movie wasn't unique. It wasn't really fun. <laughs> it just kind of sucked. It was just LeBron having to have the same thing that Michael Jordan did. Exactly. Dude, all right. And that's why that's why I kind of stand on the MJ side of the whole MJ versus LeBron debate. Because, like, mm -hmm. if LeBron didn't think MJ was the best of all time, why is he still 
trying to do all of the things that my MJ did. Like, I don't know. That's just, and granted, I don't, I'm not a huge basketball guy. So like me saying that MJ is better could very realistically be blasphemy just because he's, you know, totally different era. It's apples to oranges or whatever, but yeah, no, that's where I stand. MJ all the way. Oh, of course. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah. So when you're up in Connecticut, uh, so first off, I guess you like every day during the Olympic Games, were you just covering all your all of your events? And I know you talked about it last time all the events that you were covering. So you were just what writing up? Were you doing like articles and just having those go up like on the NBC site, or how did that work? So I think the two main things that we were responsible for was writing recaps of our big major events and helping optimize video for the website essentially and honestly i think the video portion was probably 70 to 80 percent of our job and it wasn't really difficult it was just like the video stuff was annoying just because it took for the process of you know the video coming through to our software system and then loading and everything it took forever just because there was it was just such a huge influx of videos constantly throughout the day but like optimizing the videos and you know actually getting them on the site it wasn't so bad that wasn't bad at all it was really just the annoying thing was just waiting half of it was just waiting for the video to come online but um there was that and then the recaps so like you know if there was a preliminary game in table tennis versus a quarterfinal game in men's basketball team usa we would say to hell with table tennis we have to you know we're gonna we're gonna do men's basketball you know and so it was basically it took us a few days to figure out like which sports should have the um priority yeah like which ones are more important and so after a while when we figured that out it was like we you know we got into more of a rhythm after that and then that's when things started to smooth or uh flow real smoothly so is it like is it like on the user, like like on my end as like the user? It, would it be like the video that I'm seeing like on social media or the website? Or I guess like is is that basically what it was? Pretty so much, like, yeah. You know, so like if you were to go onto NBCOlympics.com and you would see like the the videos or highlights little strip in the uh, on the website on the homepage, yeah we put those out there and we like, put the, okay. you know, we typed in the description, the title and all that stuff. So really it was just like titling and adding descriptions to videos. And, yeah. You know, essentially it was, it was a lot of that. And it was just, it doesn't seem difficult and it really, it really wasn't, it was just a lot of it. And so that's what made it a, a unique thing. But honestly, aside from that, it was just, it was recaps and videos. And, um, you know, the recaps that we did, we tried not to do too many of them, at least, at least for, you know, the main team of me, Eric, Liam, and Tori, just because it would have been an impossible, you know, achievement. We, we could never do that. We, just the amount of sports that we had to cover and all that. So we had a whole bunch of people joining our team during the Olympics just for that, you know, that brief period. And they helped out a lot with doing recaps and stuff. But when it came time for, you know, me to do a recap, normally I would, I would recap the big basketball games. So Team USA women's, uh, Team USA men's basketball, uh, Slovenia basketball, they were like my favorite team to write about during the Olympics just because like Luka Doncic is insane. 
like actually insane. And so watching him play against a bunch of scrubs, it was like funny. I thought it was hilarious. So, um, but my God, I mean, what a fun ride that was for them. I know they didn't end up winning a medal, but just they were arguably the best team in the tournament. You know, they got unlucky in that uh, game against France that, you know, sent them to the bronze game. But um, yeah, what a fun, fun sport to to cover that or uh, team to cover uh, Slovenian basketball team. That was awesome. And uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that was mainly it. it was just, you know taking choosing the priority sports and then running with those did you tweet out a lot of your recaps or um i guess they're all up on what was it the nbc what was the website that they're on oh nbc olympics i tweeted out a few recaps um not too many just because like i mentioned before we our main priority was doing video stuff if it came down to writing a recap or getting videos on the website it was video every time you know that's cool, though, because I imagine your name is on those recaps on that website. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I wrote a bunch of stuff. Yeah, no. And there was some, you know, general news stuff, too. Like, um, you know, if someone, if an athlete got COVID or something like that, we would have to write about that. Like Katie Lou Samuelson for uh, the women's three-on-three basketball team. Um, she made the team, and then she couldn't end up going to Tokyo because she got COVID. And so that screwed everything up. And I had to write about that and just little things like that here and there, writing newsers and, and um, things along those lines. So it was, yeah, we definitely, we stayed busy. <laughs> yeah. With um, the Slovenia going back to uh, Luca real fast. Yeah. I talked to, uh, it's funny. I had this guy, Tim Kata who writes for the athletic. He covers the Mavericks. So we were talking about Luca, of course, a while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, that dude is a superstar. Like he is, arguably the best player in the nba today and only gonna get better so he's that's awesome he's something else dude like before because i'd never really watched him before prior to the olympics because i just i watched the sixers and that's it you know and obviously the sixers don't face the mavericks too much because it's like totally different division or uh, conference so but i watched just seeing him I'm like he does literally everything he's unbelievably good at making plays setting up his teammates for you know scoring chances or like for a for an open three or whatever. And then he's obviously his shooting is terrific and he gets a bunch of rebounds. He, he's like the total package. I feel like there's a legit case that he, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like one could argue that he could be the best player in the world right now. I don't think he is. Oh yeah. yeah. There's an argument. That's just that. Yeah. He's arguably he's up. there. Yeah. He's only going to get better too. What was your average shift like? Was it like eight hours a night or a day or however that worked? Um, 12 hours. 12 hours. <laughs> Holy crap. You didn't get days every off day. Either. We worked literally every day from the 19th, I think is when we got 18th or 19th of, uh, of July. I can't remember which. I think it was the 18th. Um, so really from the 18th all the way until the eighth which is when i left um that was we didn't get any days off and it was 12 hour shifts every day and uh so it was it was a lot it was definitely a lot it was a gauntlet it was something i i am glad is over (laughs) the 12 hour shifts were rough but um at the same time though it was just at the end of the olympics and looking back and seeing all the things we ended up doing and seeing you know just how much we ended up putting together. It was it was really cool, and it kind of made the 12-hour shifts worth it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, I knew you were excited, and I would be too, mm-hmm. 
about having my name on the credits. Like that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. They sent us the credits and everything. And I saw my name. I'm just like, Holy shit. That's me. <laughs> like I was not, a, I don't know. I never, I, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even realize that, you know, my name right. could possibly be at the end of the credits of, uh, the Olympics. So that was really cool to see that. And, you know, no one watches the credits, so no one knew, <laughs> but still I was there. Yeah. So it was, it was really neat to see that. And then, I don't know if we get lucky, then maybe perhaps fingers crossed, we will, we'll all each end up winning an Emmy when the Emmys come around. It could happen. Could happen. Yeah, I was yeah. just talking with Jody Shelley yesterday for the Canon cast and the Bally Sports crew just won Emmys. So, of course, I brought that right. up to Jody and I was like, you know, congrats on winning the Emmy. And he was saying that it was never something that he really thought about before he took the broadcasting gig. And, of course, you know, he was talking about all the behind the scenes people and, you know, in addition to the people on the camera. So that'd be yeah. cool. You could win an Emmy. Apparently, so I didn't know this. If you win an Emmy apparently and this is for media emmys it might be different for like you know tv emmys or whatever yeah but if you win an emmy then you don't you don't technically you don't actually win the emmy like they don't send you the emmy in the mail and it has your name on it and everything apparently if you win an emmy basically you win the opportunity to buy the emmy with your name on it and it costs like $400. But you know what, dude? I don't give a fuck. I will spend $800. Like, I, I will... I probably would, I'll too. blow all my money on it. Like, that would be the easiest thing, money decision in the world. Like, of course. I, I think I would, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put that on my mantle. You know what I mean? I'm going to carry it around town. <laughs> I would probably do the same thing. Because you win it, but you would still have the right to own it and have it in your house on your mantle and have it on your person i mean it's like yeah forever i mean that's yours the day you die you know yeah and it's just a unique thing like how many people can say that they right you know so like i, w I would totally spend 400 dollars on it i think that would be a fun thing to have and so i don't know but we got to win it first so i don't know what i have to do if there's a you know if there's another media company that's doing some sort of big you know uh, operation for sports coverage or whatever. I'm, I'm going to have to infiltrate it somehow just to guarantee that we get the Emmy and they don't. And they don't. T-shirt campaigns. <laughs> so did you have anything to do with the opening ceremonies? Yeah, we were doing that. Um, that was one of the easier nights just because there, I mean, there weren't really any stories we could write. There was one person who did like a kind of basic roundup of what happened. So it's just like, Oh, he, tonight was the opening ceremony. Here's some of the highlights or whatever. And they just kind of wrote about that. Um, and y you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the opening ceremony mainly is just kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff you see at every Olympics. Basically you have people singing yeah. their songs, the dancing and everything. And then you got the parade of nations and they, they all come out waving and then you see all the people who are working during the ceremony and they're all dressed up as like some sort of folklore for the host country. Yeah. And they're all just standing right. there clapping. And I'm just like, that has to be so boring after a while. But <laughs> no, like it was, it was cool to do it. Um, um, it, but it wasn't, I, I think that was one of the easier nights we had just because it was one event basically. And um, there wasn't a million things going on at once. It was more easy to follow, I think. Yeah. Was it fun watching all of your 
like assigned events, uh, like just all the different games or matchups or or whatever? It definitely was. Yeah, there were some sports that I enjoyed watching more than others. I'll say that quite bluntly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basketball was obviously a ton of fun to watch. Um, I actually really enjoyed watching fencing a lot. Yeah, fencing. Fencing right. is low key, really fucking lit. It's I had a great time with the fencing. Um, and then there were some sports where I was like, yeah, I could do without this for the rest of my life. It's fine. Like karate, for example, um, could not care less about karate, but I cared about it when I was, you know, when the games are going on, I had to, you know, um, right. but karate was one of those sports that I won't be sad to not ever watch again. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> oh, equestrian. Don't even get me. I just don't get it. I really don't get it. Like it's yeah, it, yeah. like, I don't know. Essentially, it's figure skating on a horse. And you're instead of ice, <laughs> you're on dirt. And you're just making your horse do tricks. I don't know. It's not my style. It is not my cup of tea at all. I feel like that's a very, like, rich person sport. You yeah. know my opinion about the rich. Let's eat them. Let's eat them all. So, like, <laughs> obviously, <Eat> my, the rich. <laughs> my opinion of that sport was very low from the very beginning. And then, yeah, so... But yeah, no, I mean, there were, there were definitely a couple sports that I liked more than the others, for sure. Yeah, so when it came to recaps, were you recapping events or, or sports that you already knew about? Or was it kind of a challenge if you had something like, say, Equestrian, you had to do some kind of write-up about it? I mean, if you didn't know a lot about it, it would be hard to do that, I would assume. Yeah, it was a little difficult. And luckily, we did have um, someone who's uh, more of an Equestrian expert on the team with us. So Mia, if you're listening to this, thank God for you um i kind of be listening i handed all the yeah i kind of handed all the recaps to her and she did a really good job with those but um yeah there were some there were some challenging portions where it's like uh taekwondo for example um when um anastasia zolodich who is she's 18 years old she's a u.s taekwondo athlete she won the gold and she's the first woman to ever win american woman to ever win gold in taekwondo at the olympics and so I was following her really closely and there were times when, when I was watching where I'm just like, oh man, I kind of, I'm forgetting the rules for when this happens and, you know, but I feel like that was to be expected. And luckily we live in an age where Google can just answer whatever questions we have at, you know, the drop of a hat. So um, if I ever needed to learn something on a whim, I could just quickly, you know, um, do a quick scan on the intranet, the interwebs and, um, you know, get it figured out so but yeah there were definitely some times where i'd be watching something and i'm just like oh man how, how does this work again and then i luckily would be able to figure out pretty swiftly so that, that was good it'd be like even with hockey like i could look up something on google real fast and be like oh yeah that's what that rule was so i get right. that comparative yeah. but i imagine how much more difficult it is when you don't know the sport as well yeah and then you also just did the paralympics right yeah, they're still going on. We're still in the thick of the Paralympics right now. I think they end on Sunday or Monday. I can't quite remember which one, but um, how's that going? It's going good. You know, it's this is nothing even close to our uh, Olympics coverage because I mean, it's like we're doing this remotely. Um, our hours are a little different, but I mean, it has to be just because you know the Paralympics are over in Tokyo as well, so. Uh, like last night I worked until 3am. So it's like, that's, but that's just, 
you know, what we got to do for this. But um, it's been cool. Last night I was watching actually um, goalball. Have you ever heard of goalball before? No, I have not. So it's a Paralympic sport that's low key, unbelievably fun to watch. And it's for like the visually impaired. So basically it's uh, you got three people on each side and there's a, a big net and someone on the team takes this ball that has bells in it so you can hear it. And because again, they're like visually impaired. So they have these coverings blocking their eyes so they can like hear the ball and um, they throw it to the other end. And their goal obviously is to get it into the goal and, you know, to get it past the the defending team players. And so um, really a crazy game last night between uh, team USA and I believe it was Ukraine and USA won in extra time on the first throw of extra time. And it was, I was kind of losing my mind. <laughs> it was 3 a.m. I was so tired. And then I'm watching this sport that I'd never watched before. I'm just like, let's go! Like losing my shit. <laughs> so it was, it was definitely was, something else. Is it on NBC uh, Sports? Was it NBCSN? Uh, yes, it was on NBCSN. Okay. Yeah. So your, your name will be on the credits then, right? Like at the end or whatever, or at the end of whatever know. event? You know, I didn't even think about that. It might be at the end of the, uh, the credits at the end of this whole thing. That's, I did not even ponder that once. So that would be pretty cool though. I wouldn't mind having my name on the credits again. <laughs> is, your, uh, is your job for this the same as the Olympics with the video recaps? So for this one, it's a little different where we're doing really not a lot of writing at all. Um, mainly for the Paralympics, it's like, we'll do a master, um, recap essentially of the key events that took place the day before. Um, so like last night I kind of put together the, the recap and, um, then I hand, I did like half of it and then I handed it over to whoever the morning person was. Um, and so it's, it's really, that's kind of what it is. It's more previews and recaps. And then I'd say it's a lot of probably 90% video stuff. So when we get video like highlights or um, an interview with a Paralympian or something like that, we'll go ahead and take that. And then we'll like, just like we did for the Olympics, we'll optimize it for the website and then get it out there so people can watch. How did you, uh, there was boxing, right? In the Olympics? There was boxing. Yes. How was that? That was interesting. Would have been better if Jake Paul were in it. I'll tell you right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, my uh, boxing aficionado friend and I did a boxing podcast earlier this year, and he's like a wealth of knowledge, but uh, we were talking about all kinds of fighters. That was back in like March, so you can yeah. always find it, but we were we were talking about all kinds of like, you know, techniques and like judging and just stuff that I'm like, you know, because like, I know he's a huge fan of it, but he was also talking about like the ugliness of boxing as well, like the corruption side and things like There's that. So, so much. Cool. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, like you yeah. hear all the time, yeah. especially in the Olympics, like, and it's not even just boxing either. It's judo, taekwondo. I believe it was um, not long ago. There was some issue. I can't remember the countries. Um, it was someone from Israel and someone from Iran or something like that. And they were supposed to fight each other. And yeah. then the Iranian athlete basically said, yeah, no, I'm, I refuse to, to compete against that guy. So you can just eliminate me now. Like crazy little things like that. And then in boxing, you have all the doping scandals and um, lots of lots of bribery evidently happening. So like, I don't know, we're, we're seeing a lot of that with the 
the officials and officials calling matches on unfairly. And um, that's an unfortunate aspect of that sport because if that didn't exist, I feel like it would be much bigger than it is. When you don't have like specific events going on, what's your job? Or are there always events going on in the world? Like, uh, well, when there's, so after the Paralympics are over, we're going to move on to the Winter Olympics. And um, that is going to be, it'll be a little more chill than, you know, the weeks or month leading up to um, the Olympics or the Paralympics, but there's still things to do. There's still things to write about. Like, for example, um, if I end up getting hockey, which it sounds like I'll be doing ice hockey for the winter games, um, I'll be putting together like, get to know this player, get to know that player. Okay, um, that's cool. Here's what Team Canada's roster looks like or could look like. And basically, once the rosters are constructed, basically breaking them down and saying, this is why this team could win gold. And, you know, this is why Team USA could win gold or whatever. And so really, it's just kind of breaking things down and um, analyzing. So, and then news, of course, if someone tests positive for COVID-19 or something like that, um, we'd go ahead and break that. Or if someone gets injured, um, we would write about that stuff. So there's, there's definitely a lot of things to write about, um, but just not quite the, the sheer volume that we had while the games were going on. What about Sunday Night Football? Do you guys have anything to do with that since that's on NBC? No, we don't have anything to do with that because we're just, that's its own thing. We're NBC Olympics, so we are strictly Olympics 100% of the time. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay. I just I just assumed NBC Sports. So what's your official title anyway? I'm a digital editorial producer for NBC Sports. That's cool. NBC that's Olympics, a, that's technically. A, yeah, but. That's a cool name. Well, anything, anytime you have like NBC and Olympics in your like job or as the job title or whatever, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, yeah. I'm lucky to be doing this. Like... I, it's still weird that I'm doing it because just, yeah. you know, I never thought I would it's like, the, it's like Plankton and SpongeBob where it's just like, he's like, are you going to steal the Krabby Patty? He's like, I don't know. I never thought I would get this far. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's kind of how I am with my sports coverage. It's like, damn, I'm here. Like, what am I doing here? What the fuck? <laughs> how are you feeling about the Eagles, the NHL, the NFL on the near horizon? The Eagles make me scared and anxious. And I'm not looking forward to this season. Like, I am. I am. But, like, I don't know. I just, there's something about this year's Eagles team that is not making me feel nice at all. And I don't know. Maybe maybe Nick Sirianni's got some tricks up his sleeve and we're going to end up playing really well. But you know what? I'm going to wager a bet. It's probably not going to happen. I think we're going to be pretty bad. But I believe in Jalen Hurts. I think he is, I think he has the potential to be pretty good. Um, will he? I don't know. We'll see. But I'll tell you who I'm really excited to see is D- my boy, Devon- Devontae Smith. He's going to be, he's a bad man. He'll be good in the NFL. But Flyers, um, I'm actually cautiously optimistic. Perhaps even more than that. I might just be outwardly optimistic in general, not even cautiously, because I think. They made a lot of big moves this offseason that, you know, t- taking sending Voracek back to Columbus was a gutsy thing. And we ended up getting Cam Atkinson out of it. And I really like Atkinson a lot. Um, I know his last season wasn't 
amazing, but he's still a very good player at, at everything. He's good on the PK, power play, five on five. He's just a really, really useful player. So I'm glad that they, you know, went out and they made some really big moves. Like, I mean, Ryan Ellis, the fact that the Flyers got Ryan Ellis is huge. That alone should be enough to change the team um, for the better. And, you know, you can bring up the Rasmus Ristolainen trade. I'm still not totally sure how I feel about that, but a um, lot of big moves from them, bringing in players like Keith Yandel and Derek Broussard on really short one-year contracts. Like, I think that's good to bring in some veteran guys who have had success in the NHL before. And, um, you know, d- just seeing if they still have something left, having a little bit of competition in camp is never a bad thing. So I really like what they're doing. And I still trust Elaine Vigneault. I do. I know last season was kind of bad, but um, I think he's, he's shown that he can win hockey games and uh, we'll see what happens. I think the most important thing for the Flyers is just making sure that Carter Hart is good to go. Martin Jones is ready to go. Mm. Um, Martin Jones. Yeah. That's an interesting pickup. Yeah. Too. I was not expecting him to be the guy that they would pair with Carter Hart, but you know what? Yeah. It's that's interesting. Yeah. Very. It was, it was not quite what I was expecting, but I, he's been good in the past. Like, you know, he, the last few years he was objectively bad, but before that he was a consistently really, really good player. So uh, we'll see what, what ends up happening with that. But how about you? What about Columbus? How are you feeling? So I'm actually pretty excited because I was pretty uh, just over it once they hired Brad Larson. And I was just like, I don't know what this team's going to, they're just going to be cheap and bad. And I'm not expecting any, I'm not expecting a, a lot of wins or anything this season, but the same reason that you might be excited for Atkinson, I'm excited about Voracek because right. they need a guy that is a playmaker. Atkinson is not a playmaker. He's a guy that can score. That's exactly what Voracek is. Right, and we haven't seen Atkinson play well since really guys like Panarin left. And I know he's had injuries and yeah. COVID was, you know, a lot of stuff last year. He might be, it might be the win-win trade that both teams need, at least on paper, it looks like that. I did a Q&A with Kelly Hinkle from Broad Street Hockey a couple oh, weeks Kelly, ago now. yes. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, but Vorchak can obviously help the offense in the power play. So I'm excited about that, and hopefully he gets line A going. Uh, I'm actually just really excited about all the guys they drafted, like Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger. They have like these potential centers, finally. They did have a great draft. I don't know that Cole Sillinger is ready to make it out of camp this year, but, I mean, there's... We don't know yet, but uh, there's he's he's super confident, and obviously he knows he has to back it up in camp. But I think he could be up sooner than later, hopefully, and hopefully he just really sticks. But don't rush it; just like let it happen. But I'm excited for their future, which you know I think John Davidson. Like, thank God the Rangers were stupid enough to fire him, and hopefully, and hopefully him being back just gets this thing back on track because I like what's happening so far. Yeah, no, I think now that I'm thinking about it, I really am excited, at least for. I would imagine Voracek and uh, Line would probably be playing on the same line. They would have yeah, to Yeah, I think be. so. Um, I would imagine they'd be on the top line together. Um, just, I think that's a really, really good pairing just because, you know, you got the playmaker, you got the goal scorer. Um, not totally sure who the center is going to be on that top line. I feel yeah, like you guys are no. still kind of depleted and, you know. They don't really have one. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Still. Max Domi, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think... Uh, um wait is max domi even still on the team wasn't he didn't he get traded? Yeah. yeah he's still there oh you know what that's right though he is recovering from shoulder surgery so he won't be available for at least the first couple of yeah. months of the season oh you know what i'm thinking of 
I remember there was a rumor that he like wanted out or something like that, and yeah. that didn't mm-hmm. happen. Well, we thought Seattle might take him. In fact, Columbus lost nobody to Seattle because they took Gavin Bayreuther, who then they didn't sign. So he signed right back in Columbus. So Columbus lost nobody to Seattle. So there won't be a William Carlson 2.0 this year, or at least in the in the near future. What a weird expansion draft that was for Seattle. Like, yeah. I was expecting yeah. them to be wheeling and dealing, getting all these draft picks just like Vegas did. And they didn't yeah. do anything at all. And I'm just like, yeah. this is your team? <laughs> like, what yeah. are you going to do right now? You got, I don't know. I, I have, I feel like they're not going to be very good. But I, you know what? It's, it's hard for me to say that because I said literally the same thing about Vegas. But th- I feel like Vegas was a lot more active and they were much more. Yeah. Yeah. I think Seattle is like, we're going to look at this thing from like two or three years from now and really try to be competitive then. Maybe not so much now, but they did get Grubauer in net. So, I mean, it's kind of a big yeah. deal. They have really good goalies. So, like, if you have that, pretty good. But Dave Haxtell, the coach, really surprised me. I didn't expect that to be their coach or him to be their coach. Why? I, I just, what I want to know is what they saw in Dave fucking Haxtell to make him the coach of the Seattle Kraken. I just don't understand what, what has he done? He hasn't done anything, even in college. He won, He went to a bunch of frozen fours, and then as he never won any of them. And then as soon as he left, they win the national title right when he leaves. And then he comes to the NHL, does basically nothing with the Flyers. He actively infiltrated them, honestly. He was awful for them. And then he goes to Toronto and turned their PK into a literal shit show. And it's just like... Why is this guy, why do hockey men love this guy so much? It just doesn't, it baffles me to no end. Yeah, I thought Gerard Gallant was going to go out there, but of course he went to the Rangers. So, I mean, maybe he was on their radar. You'd have to think. I had a feeling he was going to go to New York. I just had this odd, odd, strange feeling about it. And now he's got his boy, Ryan Reeves, there with him. So it's like there's that connection and... Plus, I mean, obviously you got Panarin, you got um, you got Zibanejad. They got they got some really good young players too. Still not totally sold on Capocacco yet, but like I know Lafreniere is going to be good. Um, I'm very confident in his ability, and you know Adam Fox, of course. So we'll see we'll see what ends up happening with the Rangers. But goddamn, I as no matter where Gerard Gallant is coaching, that team makes me nervous just because I know he's, I personally think, and I'm a little biased. I think he's one of the best coaches in, in hockey. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, going back to the Flyers real fast. How do you feel about Carter Hart? I still believe, I still believe in Carter Hart. I, I still think he is the answer for the Flyers at this point. The, the, they can't just keep cycling through goalies. You know, they have to, I feel like they have to just, settle with someone and say all right you're our guy deal with it (laughs) and then I feel like that will kind of you know once they if they give someone long enough I think it it works out you know um Steve Mason like when the Flyers got Steve Mason he was legitimately good for a few years for the Flyers and then yeah yeah he was more than serviceable yeah. yeah and so I feel like Carter Hart absolutely has the potential to be um I mean, definitely as good as Steve Mason. I think he has the potential to be, be, to be an all-star goalie. Um, but, you know, I, he's 23 years old. He's still basically a, a child. Um, he still has a whole lot of, you know, learning to do in the NHL. So even though he was legitimately awful last year, I think he still 
it's not something I'm too worried about just because it's such a common thing for young goalies to have hiccups here and there, bumps in the road. Right. Eventually they recover and they turn into be, you know, they end up being the next carry price or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I think he'll be fine. Um, I think he just needs to stay the course and, um, he'll be okay. And if he has another bad year this year, then, you know, maybe you look for some veteran options, but I think he's someone that you want to keep in the system for sure, because he's, so gifted. And last year was just so stupid anyway. Like if this is going to be a, like a fully normal season for a change, right. th- that alone could be the change that everybody kind of needs. I mean, that's why I think looking at a guy like Line, he struggled, he got traded. He, there's just so much going on with everybody last year. Right. So it's kind of, I mean, it, it all counts, but it also is kind of a throwaway year. Kind of, if you think about it, it's it just, really is. Yeah. Like, like last year was, it was just so strange. And even the, the playoffs were, the when Tampa won the cup the first time last October, that was weird. And like, I don't say that they're throwaway seasons, but I'm not going to look at them as a normal year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited for things to be more normal this year. And uh, it sounds like it'll be an 82 game season, which is great. Um, unless some insane COVID outbreak happens, which hopefully that doesn't happen, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I will say this, I'm happy Tampa won the cup again, because I think their fans deserved to see them win it in their home. Like it's just have, because of how weird it was the first time, I'm glad they ended up winning it again. And, um, yeah, but hopefully we don't have to worry about something like that happening anymore. We, we can just have a normal season, normal playoffs and just go from there. Well, no, we're back to normal if Tampa Bay goes back to losing in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I know. We'll go back <laughs> when they lose to Columbus in four games again. Exactly. You're right. Shut out. What but, a wild uh, time. Oh, that was insane. Well, Ryan, thanks for popping on. Uh, always good to talk. It's really cool to get the Olympics thing. Like That's cool for me, too, because I'm like, I, I know this guy that wasn't doing the Olympics coverage. So <laughs> Thank you for having me on. No, man, it was, it was, it's been a lot of fun. Super eventful the last few months. Still not totally recovered from uh, from being on Tokyo time. That done fucked me up real good. But <laughs> would you guys have been in Tokyo if everything was normal? Uh, I don't believe so. I think we would still be in Connecticut. But um, yeah, but yeah, no. It's it's good to be back. It's good to be focusing on uh, Paralympics now. And then we got Winter Games coming up. You know, I'm looking forward to that. So um just lots of really fun stuff coming down the pipe and uh i am just lucky to be doing what i'm doing i'm uh very very uh fortunate to be where i am yeah keep crushing it keep doing it it's fun to follow along thank you appreciate it no give me your content ideas i'll go ahead and uh work on some olympics content for you all the way up from rant sports like you've made it (laughs) we i didn't make it we made it we made it. We got out. I'm still trying to. I'm still trying nah, to, but no, nah, man, you're you're well on your way. Trust me. Yeah, man. It was it was awesome to have you on. Three, two, one, zero, zero, zero.